Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. In the dynamic world of business, the only constant is change, and the fuel that powers this perpetual motion is innovation. To stay ahead in the game, organizations must not only embrace innovation, but also approach it with agility, a nimble mindset that enables rapid response to market fluctuations and customer demands. In this episode, Joseph Azar, CEO of Azar Consulting, joins us to discuss the power of innovation and the need to maintain an agile mindset. Grab a copy of my new book, Customer Transformation. This is your essential guide for adapting to your customers' ever-evolving needs. Available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or my website. And to support the show, visit chrishood.com show, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, Follow us on social media, or you can email me directly, show at chrishood.com. I'm Chris Hood, and let's get connected. Connecting. Access granted. It's the Chris Hood Digital Show, where global business and technology leaders meet to discuss strategy, innovation, and digital acceleration. Five, four... Three, two, one. Your digital evolution starts now. Here's your host, Chris Hood. Welcome to the show, Joe. Would you mind introducing yourself? Well, my professional name is uh, Joseph, Joseph Hazar. I'm uh, currently the CEO and managing uh, director of a company that I've uh, founded um, a few months ago. It's called uh, Azar Consulting. It's a consulting business. and um, I've been in the tech industry for about 23 years professionally and 27 years unprofessionally. Well, my, my latest uh, role was uh, CTO for a company called Foresight. We mass-produced the first smart uh, motorcycle helmet in the world. They, I was there for uh, five years. I helped them take the idea from uh, a, a napkin idea to, to mass production. And uh, I thought it's time for me to, you know, explore um, the world and uh, see what's out there because um, I kind of like getting involved with uh, startups and companies and I like having being part of that journey that every company goes through. And I think, uh, you know, now that uh, Foresight is up and running, um, it's not... Um, I would say fun for me anymore. I like to be involved in the nitty gritty and uh, getting a company off the ground. And now that I've done that, uh, it's time for me to, you know, do that for other companies. Yeah, I love the process of building something and then getting that off the ground. It's very hard when you go to a larger organization and you're trying to build something new when they have all of their processes and procedures and things in place. Exactly that, yeah. That's that's the one thing that I hate about big companies is that they move too slow for my pace. I like moving fast and, and I like making an impact. You know, with large organizations, you have like so, so many red tapes to go through and getting approvals and signing documents to get something out there. So with smaller companies, it's quicker and it's there's very few people to get involved and get approvals from. And, uh, you know, it, it, your, your 
small incremental changes make a big impact as opposed to like big companies? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I try to tell enterprises is what are the technologies or the processes that you can put in place to help you maintain that entrepreneurial spirit, which is, again, often hard because most people come to work and this is my job. I'm focused on this job. But when we think about the opportunity to put into place that mentality, that's also hard, but it can be rewarding for an enterprise. That's true. But I mean, like, have you have you had any success with large enterprises? I mean, in my head, the way I view uh, companies is, you know, if you're a small company, you're uh, fast, you're nimble, you can maneuver uh, quickly. When you're a whale, it's very difficult for you to move and, and you have to think about so many aspects of the business so that, and, you know, uh, as... Um, you probably know in large companies, they have a lot of restrictions in terms of like uh, uh, legal aspects, uh, infringement on, on uh, uh, privacy, infringement on IP. So that's why I think the way they move is slower because the chances of them getting sued is higher than a smaller company that nobody knows about or like it's starting off in, in, in the industry, it's it's very quick for them to, you know, get stuff out there, try new things, pivot, uh, implement new procedures. And and that's that's one of the things that kind of draws me to these companies because I, I like things to be fast and I like to see the impact that I'm working on kind of materialize faster, which is difficult in large companies. You know, we're talking mostly about innovation here, right? The ability to make change, make impact, and to innovate quickly is definitely a benefit of a small and definitely startup. How do you think companies should approach innovation so that they can maintain that perspective? From my perspective, it depends on on, on the size of the business and what kind of industry they're in. If you're talking about innovation, um the way I look at innovation is kind of like um, you look at kids, they have no boundaries. They want to play with everything and they jump from one place to another. So that's how I look at innovation because honestly, nobody, nobody really knows what is, what comes out of uh, whatever you're pursuing, right? You could have an awesome idea you pursue it and then reach a dead end. You could have a very silly idea, you pursue it, and then you reach something uh, that could affect millions of companies. So the way I do things is it's kind of like a playground, play with everything, try everything. Uh, and then as long as you have that maturity to know what you're playing with and to understand what the impact that something could bring to the, the, the industry or the, the domain that you're um, in, uh, then you can take that playground or that, that toy that you're playing with and then um, make it into a, a, a something that you know innovates the, the industry. Yeah, or like we've been talking about, you can have a great idea and that idea gets squashed because somebody in a larger organization says, oh, we don't want to deal with that right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been in quite a few startups, um, even though 
most of them have great ideas. Some of them don't. And um, I guess I, I've reached the stage in my career where I can choose the, the companies that I work with. And uh, part of my job is to tell them what may or may not work. And that's only because of experience. I'm not a, you know, a, 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 a clairvoyant. I wouldn't be able to tell you whether or not your business is going to make uh, millions. But I, what I can tell you based on my experience, what works, what doesn't work, and um, you know how to get to the end goal or let's say to, to get to market the, the fastest way. Because w- one of the things that I well, noticed during my you know 23 uh, years of experience is that most companies struggle in finding the fastest or the leanest way to get to, to the end goal. So they think, okay, if we spend a lot of money on something, it's bound to you know be good. And and my approach to to every company that I work in is try to get it get to the end goal the leanest way and the most cost efficient way because you need to always I don't know if that's the correct term to always be stingy or not um, put all of your eggs in one basket right so the way I I approach marketing the way i approach sales is try with a small amount see what the outcome is see what the return on investment is and then once you know that working formula you can invest heavily into something right so try a poc let's say you're in tech try a poc the most cost efficient way you can if that works and you see that there is potential from it then you invest heavily into make it smaller so for Foresight, the way we did our POC was sticky tape. We took a camera, we stuck it into a, um, a helmet, we um, glue gunned some of our uh, helmets in, in the early stage. So like, I think when we launched our first test fest, which was honestly the, the most amazing thing that I've been part of, we sold a thousand helmets. All of the helmets that we showed during the demo were hot glued. Okay, they had no working uh, uh, firmware, no working software. We sold them an idea, and then um, once that idea was validated, then we spent money on delivering the idea that wasn't actually <laughs> hot glued. But during the demo and the test fest, we, we didn't have anything working, right? So because we were a small team. We were uh, we had a lot of work to do, but it was there. They saw it uh, firsthand and they tried it out. And it didn't do the things that you know it currently does because it's now mass produced. But we did it the leanest way we could think of: hot glue, you know, um, a bit of uh, firmware there, a bit of software there, um, and it. it didn't cost as much money as large uh, organizations spend on things. Well, the other thing that you're touching on here is not only a lean mentality in the process, but you test something, you get a result back, we'll call it data, you're making the next decision based on what the data is telling you. Whereas I do think that there's a lot of companies that get attached to their ideas 
And then they just start ignoring what the data says. Like if it's saying it's not working and you have to make a pivot and make the pivot, you, you can't just keep investing money in something when it potentially is not working. Yeah, but I mean, can you blame them? That's the question. Um, you know, every everybody that comes up with an idea thinks that idea is awesome because they came up with it. So how can you then tell them, uh, you know, your, your kids are not good at school. You better get new kids. How does that work? So it's, it's difficult to let go of something that you gave birth to. And an idea is the same thing. A business is the same thing. Um, and it, it's honestly the most difficult part of my job is telling these uh, companies or these customers, your idea is not working. You better think of a different idea. And well, I would say seven out of 10 um, would not be happy about it. Only three, maybe less than three, uh, sorry, 30% would actually understand what you're saying and then think, outside the box and get detached but it's not it's not easy honestly and and that's one of the the most difficult things to do is to let go of something you gave birth to yeah totally i i'm shaking my head up and down because i've been there before i know what you're you're alluding to we've all yeah we've all been there and and i think the way i judge ideas even even the ones that i came up with is sleep on it if you think in a week that idea is still good sleep on it longer if you think in a month that idea is still good you know and and i don't know if if self-doubt is a good thing or a bad thing but it 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 lets you detach yourself from the ideas that you come up with because um even recently so i've been thinking about an idea for the past seven years and only recently that i've uh you know decided to do something about it so i I started thinking okay well if i can keep an idea for seven years maybe there's you know something that can come out of it but uh even though i started the implementation and i'm probably going to go to market in the next you know few months I'm still doubting myself. What if that idea doesn't work? What if, uh, you know, what if I'm the only one who likes the idea? So I try to go out, ask friends, ask colleagues, hey, what do you think of this idea? Does it have merit? Can it work? You know, because that self-doubt is always there. And, and I think most startups and companies don't have self-doubt. They think their idea is the next, you know, next best thing uh, uh, after sliced bread or they're going to make millions out of it. And honestly, 99% of them don't. So, but because I think the news and the media tries to um, glamorize startups, you know, everybody thinks they're Elon Musk. Everybody thinks they're Mark Zuckerberg. I come up with an idea. I make millions. I became famous. But, it, you know, the, nobody focuses on the other 99% of the, the companies that came to market and didn't achieve anything. So, you know, that's, that's the media, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to focus on the, the uh, failed uh, startups. You know, the author Stephen King actually agrees with you. His approach is if he has an idea for a new book, he will go and sleep on it. 
And then if he comes up and he's still thinking about that idea, like if it's embedded in his mind as, as something, then he knows it's a good idea to continue to explore. If he wakes up the next day and has basically forgotten about it, then he knows it wasn't a good idea. Something else you touched on in terms of validating these ideas, I think it makes sense for all of us to grab the closest person or our parents are right here or our partners are over here. We've got friends, but you could go to your family with an idea and they're all going to say, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I support you. Who else can we go to to validate those ideas? Depends on what kind of family you've got. I think I was blessed with a few friends that are kind of blunt, blunt enough to tell me the truth. And um, one of them is my good friend, Seb. So I, I told him the idea. And, and we have this um, back and foresight. We have this approach in to, to uh, how we react to ideas. So if it's an idea worth having, we'll start implementing it. If it's a bad idea, we give you a hug. So I always expect him to come to me and give me a hug if I tell him an, a bad idea. So when I, when I did that, he was like, do you want the truth or uh, do you want a hug? And I was like, please tell me the truth and a hug at the same time. I can't take this. It's too personal. And he, he said, no, I'm, I'm sorry. You don't deserve a hug. This is a good idea. And I think you, you should uh, look into it more. So yes, you're right. Every, every family member that you approach um, you know, could tell you you've got a brilliant idea, uh, but you need to kind of gauge, um, I guess, their feedback and kind of read the way they react to it. A lot of people kind of mask. Um, and the problem with validating ideas is two things. One, to validate an idea, you have to implement something, okay? Which means time, effort, cost, uh, at least to be able to show that person that you're pitching to what this is about, right? So I'll, I'll take an example, uh, the, the product that I'm working on now. There is two ways for me to pitch it. I tell you an idea and you can imagine it in your head or I implement a POC. So a POC could take like a week, you know, two weeks, uh, and then I could show you how it works in that POC, right? The problem, the second problem is um, how do you stop people from copying you? If you go to a, a startup pitch night, you, you know, you pitch your idea, how do you know that your idea is not going to be out there before you implement it? And, and that's a problem that I, I still suffer from. How do you, because, you know, brilliant ideas can then pick, be picked up on the go, right? If I tell you the idea, then you think, oh, wow, that's, a, that's an awesome idea. Maybe I can implement it. And, and with the world of tech now, everybody can implement anything unless you're in biochemistry or uh, it's an idea that requires millions and millions of dollars to implement, right? But let's say you come up with an app come up with a uh, website, you come up with any service, anybody out there can implement it, even without any tech background, right? So how do you protect yourself? 
that's that's a question that I'm still trying to um, you know answer. You can create NDAs, but you know NDAs you can't you can't just go around and get getting people signing NDAs you know uh, at a pitch night or uh, with your friends or whatever. So I think select a few people that you could you trust and uh, you know intimately or like they're for friends, family, uh, even friends that you trust, pitch that idea to them. And then once you think it's good enough to, to um, go to market, let's say you're two, three months away from launching, then you can start pitching and you can gauge how long it took you to implement it and how long it would take somebody else to implement it. That's how I approach things. When we have the ideas, what we also find in startups is everybody has additional ideas. You know, we often call it feature creep, right? Because you end up coming up with all these additional ideas or concepts that can be tapped on to whatever the core product or service is. How do you think startups or even, you know, any organization should be managing those priorities? The way we did it in Foresight is user or customer consensus. So um, even before we launched the product, we had our customers involved. Okay, we set up a test pilot on Facebook or social media. We got people to kind of give us feedback on the features that we're implementing. Excuse me. They came along to the journey from the beginning, right? Even before we had a product that we can sell, the, the customer was there. Uh, even if they didn't end up buying a helmet, uh, they were part of that, uh, you know, journey. Uh, what we used to do was because, and the thing is, if you're not a user of your own product, probably a bad idea to get into that industry. So, because you need to understand what your product is about. Yes, you can be in, in any business and sell products that are not for you. But if you can understand that mentality of that customer, so like, for instance, almost everybody in Foresight is a rider, motorcycle rider, right? So we wear helmets on a daily basis. That get, gets us into the customer mentality. So if I think I'd need something uh, or a feature in my uh, helmet, I would understand that other riders would probably want that kind of feature in theirs. So getting that customer involved in the journey kind of gave us feedback what uh, is an MVP and what is a nice to have and what is a feature that should be included down the line. And, and that's how we did it. And I think that's a good approach because um, you get, you know, firsthand uh, feedback from the people who are buying your product. I personally believe it's an excellent approach. I actually talked about that in my book about how do you involve your customers. There are some people who would argue that you should not be uh, involving your customers that much. Uh, again, I disagree with that, but I think there's also a flip side to it. You have ideas and you validate those ideas with your customers, but your customers are also going to have ideas how do you bring those into the consideration as well? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's two sides of the coin, right? So if you involve them too much and 
you know, you have 10,000 customers, everybody pitching an idea. You have a queue of a thousand, uh, you know, 10,000 ideas. You need to be the gatekeeper, right? So you take an idea, you add it on the board. If somebody else comes up with the same idea, you add a tick to it, and then you tally the numbers and you see, okay, this is an idea that 50, 30% of our customers are asking for, then that's a good idea to include in the pipeline, right? But we got customers asking if we can put air cons in the helmet uh, for uh, hot uh, summer days or uh, windshield wiper in the helmet, you know? There's a lot of ideas out there. You can't take all of them and implement them. So you have to be the gatekeeper. Yes, involve them, but in the end, the decision is yours. Involve them in the feedback. Um, ask questions. The insights that you get from having your customers as a part of the journey are invaluable. And there's no service. There's no company that you can pay to get you that kind of information because you're receiving it directly from those people who are willing to give you their money. And this whole process continues, right? I mean, there's a feedback mechanism in theory at the end that once you've actually iterated on your product, you're out in the marketplace, consumers are using it. You're not just all of a sudden ignoring that input and saying, well, we're done. Yeah, that's right. That That's something that... Um, you know, you kind of triggered another idea is think of, of future-proofing your product. Um, and that's that's something that we can implement in technology. Uh, if you're building something like, uh, you know, um, shoes for, for women or um, that, that kind of product doesn't give you kind of future-proofing as in if your customer is not happy with it, you've already produced the stock and it's there sitting and people are not going to buy it. With technology, the difference is you can kind of gauge or put mechanisms in place that gives you the ability to update your product to include features that customers may or may not want in the future. So the way we did it in Foresight was we added chips on the boards that weren't even used. So you know, let's say an accelerometer or uh, a, a GPS chip or, you know, even though the product when we launched didn't use these chips, but we thought, what if in the future somebody uh, or, or we pivot the company into something else or uh, a large amount of customers would require a feature? All we had to do is ship an update you know, over-the-air update, and that product would have a new feature that didn't exist before. And and that's something we can do in tech. If you're making an app, think about, okay, how can I update the app over the air? How can I include features down the line? And that, that's easy probably with, with uh, app stores. If you're making a product, a SaaS business, think about, okay, I can bake in features that are turned off now, but maybe they would, you know, um, help, customers down the line if if they request them uh and and that's the approach we take with everything even though uh the 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 mvp that you ship is limited in features but always think about okay if i need to increase those feature set how do i do it in the fastest way possible yeah and i want to wrap up with one other final question 
everybody is talking about AI. Is there a place for AI in idea management, innovation processes, or helping organizations, especially startups, go through this? I mean, yeah, definitely. The, the with every technology, you know, you've been in in the market probably as long as I have. Uh, with with every technology that comes out there, um, there's a there's a phase where everybody's hyped up and they love the idea. It's the 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 best idea that came in you know 20 years, and then slowly after a few years, you kind of see whether or not that idea was great. You know, like uh, you know, take um, uh, blockchain, take uh, Flash Action Script, take uh, you know any any product that even even Internet Explorer. So you kind of see the hype, and then when things settle down and the dust settles down, you look and see, okay, has this technology improved my life? And I think t- personally, I think AI is that. But I think I'll wait a bit until the hype is is done, and then I can see how to use it. Because if you look around, startups are just you know slapping that AI you know slogan on their brand and hoping that VCs come and invest money. That that's not the approach to it. Uh, you know, AI is awesome, and the potential of it is awesome. But we're still starting. Um, if your business doesn't have AI, it's okay. You don't need to panic. Um, but just don't slap the AI brand on it and hope for the best. You know, if your product benefits from AI somehow, great. That's an awesome idea. But if you're just adding AI to it to, to get more money from VCs, don't don't do that. How can people get in touch with you? The primary way of getting in touch with me is my website. It's uh, azarconsulting.com.au or LinkedIn. Just uh, look for Joseph Azar. I'm the big guy wearing a black t-shirt. Thank you so much. It's been an insightful conversation. Thank you. Appreciate it. And of course, thanks to all of you who are listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review. Your feedback helps us improve and grow. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, you can connect with us throughout social media and online at Chris Hood Show. And please share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, or anyone else looking to grow their business and start their own digital evolution. Until next week, take care and stay connected.